You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Guess what? Healing Arts Podcast has been nominated for a Coalition of Visionary Resources Award as one of the best spiritual podcasts. Thank you so much for supporting my show and for listening to the program. I would love it if you would vote for the show. And the other nominees I have this year is Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds was nominated as the best book in past life regression. And Journeys Through the Akashic Records was nominated as one of the best self-help books. And so I've got the links below. I would love it if you would take a moment to vote for me. I would be so grateful. And if you complete the screens on the survey, hit the complete button and take a screenshot, you can email me at Shelly at ShellyCare.com and I will give you a free guided imagery journey that you can enjoy to say thank you for voting for my books and for this Healing Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. I look forward to joining you for season 15, which will be coming up soon. And in the meantime, thanks for your vote. Hey friends, have you wanted to access the Akashic Records but had no idea how to do that? Well, guess what? My new book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records, will take you step by step through the process so that you can access other realms of consciousness for your own healing and transformation. This book will show you how to open the door to this wellspring of information. Meet with your spirit guides. Do present life healing. Psychic protection. Go out into the field of possibilities to access your higher soul's purpose. Meet your guides and helpers, your soul group, and so much more. Again, over 50 guided journeys await you as you access the Akashic Records and receive information that is personal to you for your healing and self-transformation. Check out the book now. Just go over to my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order today. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today we have one of our all-time most popular guests back on the show, Paul Selig. And I are discussing his book, Alchemy, which I absolutely love that book. And in the first part of the show, I'm going to talk about my book, Lifestream, which incredibly is celebrating its 20th anniversary now in 2023. So woohoo, go Lifestream. <laughs> Lifestream is the story of how I got into past life regression. So we'll begin the show with that discussion. We'll take a break. And then when we come back, I know you're going to love Paul Selig. And in this version, I've talked to Paul a couple of times, but I picked this one because He's got his little puppy, and you know we love animals, and I thought that was so cute when his little doggy walks through in the background, so you'll be able to see that if you go to YouTube, for those of you who watch this on YouTube, and thank you again for watching my YouTube channel and subscribing. I do appreciate it, and as I mentioned earlier, it's fun to go back and look at some of these old interviews, because I think in this one, I'm still back in the in the dark cubicle. <laughs> So I have evolved and I've shifted my set many, many times over the years, and I'm sure that will continue to happen. So anyway, Paul is always a favorite guest, and I know you're going to love it. So let's settle in and check it out. Hey, friends, welcome to another episode of Book Talk, where I talk about my books. And I brought my friend along, Cassandra Arnold. She has narrated all of my Audible audiobooks. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about my book, Lifestream, Journeys into Past and Future Lives. This is my um, book that came out in 2003. So it is currently celebrating a 20th anniversary. Uh, so happy birthday to it. And this is the one that Dr. Raymond Moody endorsed, as well as Dr. Brian Weiss, where I basically really break down the fundamental um, philosophies of past lives. Like, why should we believe in this? What is this about? What are some of the phenomenon that happen in past life regressions? This is the book where I talk about the six Cleopatras that I regressed in Dallas, Texas, and then, of course, as with all the regression books, I give you a guided imagery journey, which the great news about the Audible book, as I've been telling you throughout this whole series, is that Cassandra has narrated it so well. <laughs> and it's got beautiful music. And so you can actually use this book, go off on the journey, and enjoy yourself. So, Cassandra, did you go into your past lives on this one? Or you were still, probably not, but okay. What did you think when you read this crazy story? No. There's more I stories, obviously. <laughs> I didn't go into any past lives, but I sure did want to. I mean, <laughs> it's just the idea of it. So I love the idea of past life regression because it comforts me. So all of the books that you've done, and I know that that's your passion, are the past life regressions, but it the idea of past lives for some reason, that idea comforts me. Um, and I think that we're all kind of scared of what happens after you die. And that is, it's just, it just fascinates me to read. I, I'd love reading those books that you've written about the past life. But anyway, so, you know, I also like doing um, books like this because when you go into like case histories and things like that, um, you know, I get a little bit of acting in, <laughs> you know, put on a different voice for the, for the different people. But no, I just, you know, the whole idea of, of the past lives is reassuring. So it was a great book. 
it's a great book still. And I hope people will rediscover it. You know, I know it's 20 years old, but I think that a lot of people could use that comfort right now. It's been interesting when I look back at that one, because I haven't really changed how I think in mm -hmm. all those years. I mean, I have a lot more obviously experience than I did when I wrote that, but my philosophy on why does this work so well, you know, why I still believe it addresses just about everything that you could ever need addressed. Um, and then I, I like these case studies. These are some of the real raw case studies from the earliest parts of my career. And you know, I love Llewellyn worldwide, but I, and obviously I do disguise all of my case studies so people won't be recognized, but um, Llewellyn makes me take that to such a deeper level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is when I was a little more raw because I'm doing it myself. Um, and so I, I hope people will find those enjoyable. I think some of the most interesting cases that I've ever had were featured in this book myself. So I do too. I, you know, you mentioned the, the nine Cleopatras or something like that. And, you know, I agree with you when you say things uh, or when you write things like it doesn't matter if it's historically accurate or, um, you know, if this is what that person feels and thinks and whatever they discover helps them then that's the most important thing. I really like the fact that you you put that in almost all of your books. Um, so, you know, it was funny to read how, you know, all these women thought that they were Cleopatra in their past life, but, you know, obviously some part of them connected with her on some level. That's how I think. So, you know, whether it's their imagination or not, if they came out of it and they were able to feel better and, and go on with their lives in a better way, then so be it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I still say that to this day, you know, I'm not we trying do. to prove things because the truth mm -hmm. is we're trying to just feel better. We're trying to reshape mm -hmm. the way we're viewing reality. The other thing about this book, um, it's, it's where I first told the story about how I became a regressionist. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, because I was a lot younger than when I wrote it, I think there's something a little bit more, um, you know, immediate maybe than the memory of this person who I am now. <laughs> so mm -hmm. maybe people will enjoy that story because they seem to still want me to tell it all the time. But when I first told it was in this book. So check it out. Yeah. All right, kids, it's been another episode of Book Talk. We hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. We'll be right back. Hey friends, would you like to heal your ancestors to heal your life? Well, you can do just that with my book by the same name that will teach you my genealogical regression process so that you can send love and light to your ancestors. And by learning a few simple techniques, you will begin to feel the benefits of that healing resonating through yourself and your entire family, past, present, and future. Check out my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, The Transformative Power of Genealogical Regression, today. Just go to pastlifelady.com, click on the book link, and check it out. Thank you so much.
Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Hi, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I've asked you, dear viewers and listeners, to recommend guests to me. And my guest today, Paul Selig, is literally the most requested guest for the Healing Arts podcast, and really with good reason. He has some of the most inspirational, incredible channel books out there. He's one of the most uh, widely followed channels in the industry. And Paul, it is just an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, Your new book, Alchemy, is fantastic. And as I've said, um, you've got a lot of us who are huge fans of your work. Can you tell us how you got into channeling in the first place? I think so. I mean, I, I'm somebody that didn't necessarily put a lot of stock in channeling. You know, I, I wasn't, I was wary of it. It's nothing that I aspired to do, would be, would, but wouldn't have been on the list of things that I wished for myself. Um, I had studied a form of energy healing when I was in my early 30s. I'd begun opening up psychically uh, in, in, my, in my mid-20s, which was a surprise. And not in, you know, shocking ways. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of myself as a psychic, but I studied a form of energy healing and I was volunteering at a center for people who were living with life challenging illness in New York City. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic and these places were popping up and I was asked to volunteer. So I did. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I began to hear things for them. So if I had my hand in your chest, I heard the name Arthur. I learned to say, who's Arthur? And you'd say, my husband, my lover, my dog, my kid, whatever. And that would usually prompt an energetic release. So as the information I was getting kept being confirmed, I began to trust it a bit more. And I began to open the channel and I was developing as a physical empath or clairsentient through this too. I began to feel what was happening in other people's bodies. So <clears throat> my whole experience of myself was, was being altered very rapidly. And I started a little group that met in my apartment, thinking I would just do energy work and working in the modality that I had studied. And um, the very first session, people, you know, I, I had like eight people are there or something, I started to hear. And the channeling began then, it's never really stopped. Although it's changed as I've refined, you know, I did that group in my apartment for about 18 years. Or, you know, people would put 10 bucks in a basket. It certainly wasn't a career and not anything that I was expecting to have as a career. But when the guide started dictating entire books for me, which began about 11 years ago, that's when everything changed. Um, and the books are the unedited transcripts of the lectures that the guides bring forth. I don't mess with them at all. We punctuate. That's about it. We punctuate, you know, the, the verbal, you know, trend, the verbal recording to transcript and that's it those are the books they're incredible and we all love them you really you had been in academia as well so was it hard to really transition from that 
amazing yet structured environment into what you're doing now? Well, you know, I my work in academia was happening concurrently with my development as a channel and as a psychic. And so I began teaching at NYU when I was 27 years old. I was about two years out of graduate school. And I was opening up the entire time I was there. And the challenge for me was becoming public with this work um, and then leaving academia because it was my livelihood. And I also loved to teach. I was a good teacher. And I ran a graduate program at a small college in Vermont called Goddard for 18 years of those 25 years that I was at NYU. So I had two full-time academic appointments and I was starting to do groups and the books were getting known. And it got harder for me to show up for a class of freshmen at NYU because everybody Googles their teachers. So they'd all seen video of me channeling. And I'm going, okay. So, you know, nobody complained really. I mean, the NYU kids were, were very respectful and very sweet about it. And I wasn't um, leading with it. I didn't, if people asked about it, I would talk about it, but it wasn't what I was there for. So <clears throat> the hard part was leaving the security of the known and sort of committing to this is what I would do with my time. And I, my guides were encouraging me. Now they don't tell me what to do, but I was feeling the encouragement to, to let go of the academic appointments for about two years before I did. And when I did, it was the right time, you know, and um, that's it. So it could have been worse. And I was, you know, I was teaching in an arts program. So it's a lot more tolerant than had I been in the sciences, you know, in a, or in a more conventional, you know, um, department. Absolutely. So when these, when your guides um, really started making themselves known to you, how did that relationship with them evolve over time until you really started to understand that the things they're suggesting to you were going to become things that you would eventually do such as leaving your career? You know, it's hard, you know, my experience of the guides for the most part is as I'm channeling. When I'm not, you see, I'm a radio, that's how I look at this. You know, I, when, I, when my station is tuned to the broadcast that I can call the guides and the guides is just what they've been called because my ex used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. So that's, you know, they tolerate the name. I'm sure they could care less. But, you know, it it's real for me when I'm doing it. Right. When it's happening, I can't deny it. I'm out of the way. There's this stream of language pouring through me that I just have to keep up with. And when I'm not channeling, I'm worrying about my, you know, my, my this or my that or the dog or you name it like everybody else. And so the relationship is interesting only in that, you know, I'm a conscious channel. I'm not in a deep trance when I work. I whisper and repeat, which is infuriating to many people, but that's how it comes through. Um, not when I'm working privately, but you see, I really can't do what I do without an active listener. So I'm not, people sometimes think that because I do this, I've got some pipeline into higher wisdom 24 seven. And perhaps I do, and I just don't know how to access it fully for myself because truthfully, I don't get told what to do. And I often don't get information unless I ask, mm -hmm. you know, they're respectful of free will. So 
I used to say, you know, if I want to walk into traffic, they'll let me. But if I say, is this a good time to cross the highway? They might say not wise and not wise is still, it's up to you. If you want to get crushed by a semi truck, that's your business. You know, they're not going to stop me. Or at least I don't know that they would. So it's a funny relationship because I interrupt the channelings often when I, there's information that shows up in the books because the books are just like any other session, except they're focused on becoming a manuscript. And that's what the guides decide what's in the book, what's not in the book. And, you know, they work, the last few books have been done, maybe the last half of them, and there's going to be nine, the ninth ones coming out this summer have been done in front of audiences, you know, so they're, they're all dictated in front of either live stream audiences or when I was able to travel, we were all able to travel in public groups. But if they say something that I don't like, or I have a hard time with, or I think is just too crazy to believe, they'll say, Paul is interrupting. And they'll usually address my concern or my question. Um, you know, and I just do that because I, even though I'm not the author of these books, I don't feel like they're my books. I don't have that kind of pride that I think one might have for having written something. Um, these books are spoken through me. You know, I'm a collaborator and that I'm participatory. I'm there. It's my mouth. The words are coming out of my vocabularies, my memories, all those things can be accessed and utilized in this. And they will say, you know, Paul is remembering or Paul is seeing, you know, at different times if they're giving me that. But I don't feel authorship at all. And so, oh, my name, but my name shows up on the covers of the book. So if they say something that I just can't get behind, I'm going to question it. You know, that's a level of authority or integrity that I have to try to hold here, you know, and, right. um, and, you know, and I don't think truthfully after nine books, I really don't think they've contradicted themselves in any of them. And their teachings are very consistent one to the next and they build one to the next and, you know, I hope they continue to because I just agreed to do some more. So we'll see, you know, next few years is laid out. Absolutely. Speaking of that, you know, when you're thinking about any kind of artist or creator, mm -hmm. where do you think, do you think inspiration and channeling are the same? You know, is any artist really the creator of their own material or do you think we are all channeling different levels of consciousness? I'm, I'm rather... I get a little black and white about this subject because people say, well, I channel this song or I channel this painting. Now, I think inspiration is, is high. It's a high gift. And when, you know, when I was a, a writer early in my life and then a, block, a writer with writer's block, I didn't write, I could hardly write at all for years. Um, I think inspiration is extraordinarily high, but I think channeling is different. Now, the difference is that my work, the work that comes through me, the guide's work is the guide's work. I don't, get, I don't get to go in there and change it or craft it or take out that word that I just don't like that word or go back and make it more politically correct. I don't get to do that. It's not right. mine to do that with. Whereas if I'm doing something of my own, I, if I have to write a, a speech or something that I've got to give someplace, I count on inspiration, you know, and... Um, and then I get to go back and craft it. So I think, you know, there's a story about the writer, Shirley Jackson, sitting down at her typewriter and 
writing the story, the lottery in one sitting and it didn't require any editing. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it's a great story. And you can say, well, that's channeled. And I suppose whatever was working through her was taking advantage of her vocabulary aesthetic, certainly, you know, I'm an urban gay man in his 50s. So I come with a sense of consciousness and identity that probably is very different than if I was a young woman, you know, living in, in Mississippi, who, you know, grew up in a very different kind of household, you know, it's all fine. Right. They're just different filters. And do I think that my filter informs the work I don't think so in a real way. I've done a lot of work to step out and they say things, the guides say things at times that I'm fairly confounded by and concerned by, but I find all of their work extraordinarily loving and um, yes. they don't judge and they don't operate in fear and they're not teaching fear. So, you know, whoever we are as a vehicle for whatever, I think inspiration is very high. I think channels a little bit different because you don't get to go back and fix it. That's the difference. So if you wanna turn your hand over and do automatic painting, which people do, you know, and that's their painting, that's different. But if you look at the great arts, they're all inspired and highly inspired. Any great piece of art is inspired. There's no question. Craft is what one learns that allows one to deliver the art. And I expect that my ability to do what I do was actually honed in some ways through my work as a classroom teacher over the years, having to sit in front of people and talk without knowing what I was supposed to talk about, because that's how I taught. Um, you know, and also just my willingness to sit in the energy with the guides when nobody knew who I was, people weren't banging my door down, there were no books, but I did it again and again and again. I think sometimes people think, that these things aren't skills. And I think in fact, they are level, there's skill involved. You know, I mean, you yes. learn over time, how you work, how you're worked with, you learn to differentiate, differentiate the energies that are coming through. If I'm channeling and I hear some voice that's speaking in fear, I know not to listen to it. You know, it's just not, right. not high stuff. Why would I bother with that? And then there are people that are opening up for the first time and they're just so excited to get anything. You know, oh my God, I got a message. And the message might be, never talk to your neighbor again. She's the antichrist. Well, that's not a true message. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly, but it's not. So, but people get excited with this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate over the years to have a few people, wonderful women mostly who, you know, we're there as mentors in different ways. You know, old time psychics, old time. Jeanette Meek was one of my teachers. She was a wonderful, wonderful teacher and person who was supportive of me as I was really beginning to deliver the books. And um, so that's my story. You know, my story is just my story. Somebody else, I suppose some people, you know, emerge completely with their gifts fully formed you know, on the first day. But for me, I sat there for a lot of years, taking a lot of dictation before the books really started coming through. I was more interested in the energy. The the, the energy that comes through when I'm channeling is, is pretty potent. And I was all about the energy, the information I, I didn't really care about in those early years because it was just information and it was coming through me and who the, who the hell was I? 
There is something about, you know, the vibrational frequency, just mm -hmm. like reading any of your books, like the new book, mm -hmm. Alchemy, you just read it. And the reader is also feeling that high frequency energy come through, through their words. And that is really, really transformational, I think, for a lot of us. The guides say that the books are energetic transmissions that work directly on the reader. So that's how I interpret them. And, um, you know, that's been my experience of them, too. I just see that my little dog is off running around someplace. So <laughs> sweet. We love work. dogs and cats. We love so dogs and cats. Mine ran, mine ran two miles from the house recently. So and had oh to be rescued by tourists. Well, she's got a little a little uh, invisible fence collar on now. So I don't think she'll get too far, but I still worry. Oh, I bet. Yeah. The dog that's discovered country living and anyway. Oh, yes. You're now in Hawaii, so I guess that would be a wide open playground for little dogs to play. It's a beautiful place, yeah, and it's, she's a happy dog here, no question. So you've been there during the course of this lockdown? I was uh, doing a workshop in Costa Rica last March, and I was there for a week, and during that week, New York City shut down, and that's where I had my home. And I had just rented a new apartment. So I was about to move when I returned from Costa Rica to Manhattan. And I never went home. You know, I couldn't go back to New York at that time. It wasn't safe. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, who was on Maui, said, you know, I can find you a little place to stay. I lived in a tiny house when I got here and, you know, with a hot plate. And I was, I couldn't have been more grateful to be here. Um, and I just decided to stay. You know, the guides I work with used to say at times in workshops, people would say, well, how do we, you know, this has all been great, but how do we go home to, you know, how do we go back home to the ordinary and all this stuff? And the guides used to say, well, you're choosing to go home. You don't have to. You all think you have to and you don't. You're choosing. You know, they once told a workshop full of, of married women that they could all leave their husbands and this scream went up in the room and then this laughter once they realized what the guides were saying, which was they're not telling them to leave their husbands, but they can. You can. You don't right. have to go home. I didn't go home. I did just what the guide said. My my belongings are are still coming. You know, my that apartment in New York that I rented, I never spent a night in. It's so funny. I own I own a home here for the first time. It's the strangest, strangest thing in my life. But yes, that's my my experience of the last year. It's been quite transform, quite transformational. It just goes to show, you know, we can make all the plans in the world that we want, yeah. and then the universe has a different plan. So, I agree. It's amazing. What have the guides said much about? Um, you know, I feel like we're going through a big collective shift that we've been forced to be still and reconsider ourselves. And so, have your guides said much about what we're dealing with in this current? climate? Yeah, a lot about it. I mean, you know, they're, they're not interested. I've never, they don't talk about politics directly. They don't talk about diseases directly. They really don't. They're talking about the larger gestures and larger changes. And they've been doing this for 10 years. And in the very first book, which was called I Am the Word, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. And everything that's been created in fear is gonna to need to be reseen and transformed because that really our ability to go forward is dependent upon that. 
And they've talked a lot about these times as, as opportunity, opportunity. Before the election two, two cycles ago, the guides dictated a book called the Book of Truth. And they said, you know, everything that's been buried is gonna be seen. And, you know, it's not coming up so that you can point fingers and blame. It's everything is coming up so that it can be seen and healed. Nothing gets healed until it's made available to the light. And that includes the parts of ourselves that we would deny the light in or deny God in or whatever you want to call God. And so this is the larger process. And a lot of, you know, we've been born, the guides say, into this agreement towards separation that they say really is our choosing. We did this, you know, nobody's doing it to us, but we, we operate from a belief in separation. And that that's really having to be addressed in, in very large ways. Um, they say who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. You know, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And they say, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. So they're teaching, they're teaching a level of consciousness or a level of agreement, which is vibrational agreement or vibrational accord to the inherent divinity that they say is in all things, all people, and, you know, has been denied. They say the only real problem we have is the denial of the divine. That's it. Everything, everything that else we could we could talk about as the problem is a symptom of the denial of the divine. And they're not talking about religion. They never do. It's not a religious teaching, but the denial of the inherent worth in another human being or the inherent divinity. They say, you know, God is sort of the infrastructure that holds all things. It's the it's everything. It's it's the it's the vibration that is made into form. So we deny the divinity in the ocean, we have a polluted ocean. You know, we deny the divinity in those people over there, we have war. You know, we believe in scarcity, we have poverty, you know, and we, because people then hoard what they have and they don't share. So there's a lot to this teaching and um, where I feel that at a crucial time and hopefully an exciting time, you know, because it holds great potential. Yeah, I, I think it's a very exciting time to be alive because there is a lot of, um, amidst all the trouble, there's so many positive things that are coming out of this. Like you said, there has to be some um, knowledge of things that need to be changed and they're certainly coming up to the surface. And I see, you know, I feel like things are moving in a good direction. We just don't know how to deal with it. I mean, when the guides talked about things being brought to the surface, they said, you know, imagine that your backyard is is an archaeological dig and things that were buried five years ago are being ex exhumed in 5,000 years. It's going to look like crap for a while. You know, it doesn't look neat and clean in the way you would have it look, but it's part of the process of moving forward. The guys have often said, you know, if you have a body buried in the basement, eventually it's going to stink up the whole house. So <laughs> you know, we're having to deal with that stuff. And I do think this happens at the level of the personal and the level of the collective. I mm -hmm. think one of the problems with some new age thinking is everything's about I created it and I made it happen. And the collective also is participatory. We're, we're, we, we're reared in a field with common belief systems and common agreements, many of which were, were born in fear or prejudice or you know a need for separation or a belief in scarcity. And we end up perpetuating these things because it's what we came into without even knowing it. 
And I think some of those things are the things that we're going to be attending to in the coming years, these things that we've assumed to be right, because that's all we've known, when in fact there may be a higher way to operate that we've even been, you know, uh, made ourselves available to. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting times. Mm -hmm. So when you are working with the guides, I mean, as a teacher who was in charge of the classroom, in front of the classroom, how hard was it to kind of, did you have an experience internally of like stepping aside and listening to the teachings of the guides while kind of being simultaneously conscious in that? Or how would you really describe that? Well, when I'm channeling, I'm, you know, I, I'm the guy that sits in the chair. I'm the guy that shows up usually when he doesn't really want to. And it's not that I don't appreciate and enjoy the work, but there are times I don't want to and times I'm feeling hardly spiritual at all that I have to come through and let the guides come through and they'll often, you know, correct me in my wrong thinking if they're, if they're able to. But I close my eyes. I do my little prayer protection, which is how I recede. I use that to sort of step out of the way. And then I will hear one phrase repeated, usually sort of incessantly. And um, when I speak that phrase aloud, everything comes tumbling out on top of it. And all I'm really trying to do is keep up. I have to keep up with the dictation. It's coming sometimes fast and furious. If I'm in resistance or if there's some resistance in the room that I'm having to contend with. Often it comes through a mile a minute, sometimes really loudly. I mean, it's like, you know, so I'm just trying to get everything out. And um, I'm retaining maybe a third of what I've said. You know, I mean, like, I'll go, a part of me is, because a part of me is hearing it, you see, because I get to whisper and then repeat, the, repet the whisper is the transmission and the repetition comes on top. It's like, it's like reading fortune cookies, one after the next, after the next. It's just like, that's how I'm doing it. So I retain enough. Um, and I often don't understand it all until I see a transcript. Like the book that's coming out in August, I hear my little doggy in the background. She's going to make an entrance, I think. Oh, goody! Well, we'll see. She's got a big palm, a big dead palm leaf in her tiny little mouth so she what kind of she, little dog is she she's a french bulldog she's a french oh how cute she's got i think she's got some boston in her too but she's a very cute dog and um yeah she's uh playing in nature today oh that's so cute yeah well um i, I guess i wanted to ask one more thing for those people who don't understand the difference between like if you give somebody a psychic reading versus channeling, how would you differentiate those things? Psychic, they call me a medium. See, I'm a radio. This is just how I work. I can't speak to other people. And I'm not a trained psychic or trained medium either. You know, I didn't know okay. I didn't know I could do any of this stuff until I was doing it. And then I had sense of it. And occasionally I'd be lucky enough to have a friend who would say, Paul, this is what you're doing, and this is why this is happening. This when I go, thank God, there's a context for this. So if I'm a radio, so when I'm tuned into the guides, I'm playing that station. I, that's the broadcast. If I'm reading for you, I'm tuning into you and you're the broadcast I'm listening to. And if you're estranged from your partner, I can flip from the station playing you to the station playing your partner and hear what's going on in a higher level and often broker a shift, you know, um, in right. a positive 
way because I can hear people at different levels, which is, you know, the personality structure or, you know, at a more soul level where I get a different kind of information. Um, what I don't do is say, oh, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger and, oh, you need, you know, <laughs> I mean, so the predictive work I do when it comes up organically in a reading, but when people say, Paul, what am I here for? You know, or they want the guides to tell them what they're here for. The guides say we're all here to grow. You know, we're all here to learn. They don't care if we become an accountant or a dental hygienist or marry Mark or marry Stephen. You know, I can tune into the person and find out whether they'd be happier marrying Mark or Stephen and whether how they might fare in either of those careers, given, you know, how they're made up. So that's my work. So I, I tell, tend to tell people, that, you know, I'll tune in and the guides will often come in with, um, with other information as needed. Um, the guides are teachers and I don't think their real interest is the minutiae of our life, you know. Um, I don't care if they, we, I, I know they don't care if I, if I buy the blue sweater or the green sweater, that's up to me, you know. But they're supportive in many ways. I've seen. I've had a sighting behind you of a Lily puppy somewhere. It's, yes, it's around someplace. So, anyway. Yeah, I think um, I had done some readings for a while. It seems like some people are very attached to specific outcomes about futures, but I've personally experienced the future to be kind of up for grabs based on a multitude of influences that cannot always be set yeah. in stone. What do you think about that? I think that's basically how I perceive it, that we have free will, we have choice. Um, when I was in Costa Rica, I had two options, coming to Maui or staying in Costa Rica and you know, renting a house with some people who were also stranded there. And I knew, somehow I knew that whatever I chose was gonna be life-changing, I just knew it. And it was a big deal. Other people were saying, Paul, you know, it's just going to be for a month. You might have to stay someplace for a month and you go back to New York. And it was like, this is, no, this is really big. And I, I feel that by coming here, that I'm right where I was supposed to be. And that it was, I really do feel that the way things yes. played out. I've never felt quite so divinely led in practical ways in my life as I had in this encounter. Um, but had I chosen to stay in Costa Rica, who knows what might have happened. It might have been another, another choice. Um, so I think we have choice, and I think, but I do think that there are things that the soul comes here to experience and to learn. And those things, I think, are, and this is just my belief, those, these are certain things that we, we agree to prior to incarnation. I've been told I agreed to this work prior to incarnation. And had you told me this when I was you know, 22, I would have said, you're out of your mind, you know, I wouldn't want nothing to do with this. So I was raised sort of an atheist. So, you know, this was not likely work for somebody like me. And in retrospect, it was perfect work for somebody like me. And a lot of the abilities that I had inherently were catalyzed and then utilized by this work. So I think, you know, I mean, there's a reason, you know, I'm, I'm not a basketball player. I'm not tall enough. I'm not agile enough. I'm not at all athletic. Somebody else has the ability there because that's how they're built. And perhaps that's part of what they chose to learn through. I think these are all opportunities to learn. 
And I really don't think that one choice is higher than the next. I don't think that the work that I do is more important than somebody else's work. I think that's one of the traps of, 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 of spiritual seeking is we tend to wanna, you know, I don't know, make ourselves special. And, um, you know, everybody's special you know, in their own way. I agree. I definitely think we've planned this stuff out before we got here. And I agree with you that some of this, because even spiritual teachers, everyone who's alive is a human being. We're still in this limited physicality. I mean, every person has a purpose. Yeah. Every person is meant to meet people and uplift people in their own unique way. I mean, I totally agree with that. And I'm definitely glad that you've chosen to follow this path because I think it takes a lot of courage to really step out the way you did and say, okay, this is happening and I'm going to embrace it fully. And, and it's helping so many people. I think it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing. And we want to thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. So you have an amazing website. So give us your website and tell us, you've got some memberships and different things going on. Tell us about some of those things. Well, I mean, my website is my name. It's Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And um, there's a lot of information up there and there are links to events. The events are almost all still online, although we're starting to, to plan live workshops again. Um, there's one that I think has enrollment open in Costa Rica still, where I go back. Um, but yeah, you can sign up. I do a weekly live stream. You can sign up for something called the lab, which gives you access to the weekly live streams, or you can just purchase those classes individually if you want or buy the series. They're usually in a series of five. And then there's the library, which where we put up past channelings, past teachings. And um, you know, you have access to a, a, an enormous amount of material. I mean, the guides probably dictate I don't know. I channel so much, but I mean, there's the, the books, just the books themselves are thousands of pages of material at this point. And I've got probably triple that just in the lectures that they've delivered over the years because they're always teaching. So that's there. And then there's, you know, just the student lounge, which is a bunch of free stuff. So people can check that out. But I channel a lot and I do a five, um, a five day intensive once a month now. I've been doing this since COVID um, because it replaced all of the, all of the, uh, we had to cancel so many events because nobody could travel. And it was a way to sort of let the work be available to those people and they caught on. So we're doing the five days every month and they're great. Um, and, you know, I do a free, big free channeling every few months online, too. We had a few thousand people at the last one. That's I just Lily. saw your little baby walk by. That was Lily, yeah. She's, oh, it's she... Lily. How cute. That's what I love about this environment is that, you know, you get to know people because we're all in our homes and stuff. Yeah, it's like, true. Neat. It's true. So, that is cool. So do you, I guess I'm curious because, you know, now I'm, I've got organizations too that are just now starting to come back out, but don't you think that the online environment has been really interesting to get to connect with people so easily from all over the world? I mean, I kind of like it. I like it too. I like that it makes the work available to people and it's, you know, it's at for all, it's, 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 you see, I, when I'm doing something online, I don't have the attached, you know, I'm not shipping equipment and renting a hotel space and, you know, 
paying for hotel rooms for, for me and Stan. It's like all this stuff. So I'm able to sort of offer a lot more, you know, and make it accessible to a lot more people, which feels great. But I, I actually miss being in a room with people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I like that because the although you can do the energy work as effectively online, there's something about working in a workshop where people could partner off and everybody is working with the energy with a partner and you can feel it right. so much. The whole room is like going through the roof. And, um, you know, I've always been, what, what's helped me trust the, the channel texts, the words, have always been the energy that accompanies that, you know, because the attunements that the guides work with are, are, are palpable and doable. You can do them on your own, but if you do them with somebody else, you'll have a real experience of them. And since this, there's a whole, there, you know, people have started, you know, a website where people are partnering up and doing the stuff with partners and, and working with it. It's not my website, but I hear people are finding ways to, to have that experience, you know, without the, the public gatherings. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we've all had to learn how to adapt, but it will be nice to get back together at some point in the near future. Absolutely. Well, Paul, it's been a joy to connect with you. Um, I'm just wishing you tons of continued success and we cannot wait till your next book comes out. And y'all, you need to get his new book, Alchemy. We will have the links to paulselig.com and the new book, which is fantastic, Alchemy, highly recommended. And your many, many fans are going to love it if they don't already have it. I highly recommend they get it immediately. So thank you for being here. And friends, we've done it again. And I'll see you next time on Healing Arts. Thanks for having me. All right. Another fantastic episode of Healing Arts with an amazing guest, Paul Selig. I'm so grateful to all of the celebrities who come on this show. Um, they're so interesting and it's been a joy to meet so many of these people, including Paul and others. So I hope you're having a good week. I hope everything is going wonderfully for you. You are in my thoughts and prayers, and I will look forward to seeing you next time on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, guess what? My new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, Understand Your Soul's Journey Through Time, is out and available. And you can order this book and visit ancient civilizations, including prehistory hunter-gatherers, Mesopotamia, Babylon, the Persian Empire, Egypt, Greece, Europe, the Americas, Rome, Asia and Australia, and travel into other worlds, including Atlantis and Lemuria, outer space, and so much more. This book features over 50 guided journeys to help you understand your soul's journey through time. So check it out. Visit my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at pastlifelady or connect with me on Facebook at pastlifelady.com.